You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having. But you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Show your support for Real Men Feel by shopping at realmenfeel.org slash swag, by visiting digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel, or even text us a tip. You can show some love for Real Men Feel by texting Real Men Feel, that's all one word, to 504-226-5306. You'll receive a link back to complete your tip and choose the amount. This is a weekly program and your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's dive into this week's show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. I am your host, Andy Grant. Uh, Real Men Feel is all about giving a place for <laughs> men to feel. Ta-da! What a, what a genius name, then. But it's about giving a space for you as a man to express your emotions, to allow for the emotions. We aren't here to tell you what emotion is right or wrong. We're just here to encourage you to allow for them, to express them. And uh, in the co-pilot seat for the emotional expressions are my friend and fellow coach, Apio Hunter. Hey, Andy. Always good to be here. Always good to be feeling along with everybody else. Awesome. Awesome. And tonight, I'm really uh, excited. We have author, coach Mar Owen Marcus joining us. And we're going to talk about uh, the fact, I'll call it a fact, when we'll find out if it's a fact, that masculine emotional intelligence is not an oxymoron. So, Owen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Andy. It's a pleasure to have you here. And yeah, it, it, so it sounds like your work is al along the lines of, of encouraging men to feel as well and dealing with the emotional resistance and residue and just all things emotional that, that men have going on in their lives. It is. I mean, as you know real well, you know, we're trained not to feel as men. And you know, as you were mentioning about the TED Talk, you know, my, my approach is that... Um, Really, every, particularly ever since the Industrial Revolution, when men weren't around to really show us how to be emotional, feel, and express those feelings, you know, women stepped up and they trained us, which is great, but we missed something. We missed how to do that, how to, you know, be emotional, feel emotional ex experiences and express them as a man. So sometimes what happens for us guys is we sort of get frozen and you know, how do we express and how do we interact emotionally as a man? And, and how did you first get involved in, in this sort of work? Were you uh, a natural expressive guy trying to help others? Or uh, quite the opposite. No. Quite the opposite. So uh, short story is, I didn't know it, but I, I'd grown up with Asperger's syndrome and dyslexia and a few other things like a speech impediment. And so I struggled with communication, uh, emotional intimacy. I was very tense physically and emotionally. And so 40 years ago, I, I had to dig myself out of that hole. And the more I did, uh, the more I started connecting with my body and my emotions. And the more I saw that my relationships got better. So the more you cultivated your relationship with yourself? With the myself and my emotions. And, and I, <clears throat> being dyslexic, like a lot of dyslexics, I sort of cheat. You know, doing it the way that most people do it, I, I just couldn't do it. And I facilitated that process by getting a lot of body work. Um, part of it was uh, I had a roommate in Boulder back in the late 70s, mid 70s, that given up his law practice of eight years to learn how to be a rolfer. And he argued his case so well that I said, hell, I'll try it. And I did and ended up becoming a rolfer. And 
And that was really my initiation into all this, uh, you know, loosening up my body, loosening up my emotions and spending four years in Boulder. I was really fortunate to study with people that were, you know, starting the foundation of somatic psychotherapy. So hmm. is that the, the, the notion of, and I'm not familiar very much with, with Rolfing. So is it the idea of, of emotions are really locked in some of your cells and different aspects and resulting in tightness and stress? Yeah, people come to us generally because they have a physical ailment like back problems. And we're usually uh, the person of last resort. But if it's stressed off tissue or structure, we're usually pretty successful. And, and what these people start to find is a lot of their stress was more than physical. It's all those little stressors that we have in our life that this adds up. And, and the thing is that fascia, which is what we work with, that connective tissue that holds everything together, is the organ of stress. So it could be a physical stress or it could be emotional stress, and it could be a major one. In most cases, what I call microtrauma is a lot of little stress over time that adds up. And one day you wake up and you can't move, or one day you wake up and your wife is gone because you haven't been communicating. So I'm actually kind of curious a little bit more about the, the Rolfing because I have heard of it before, but I never quite understood the difference between between what Rolfing is and like a deep tissue massage. Because I know that deep tissue massage oftentimes is you know, supposed to help work out the stress as well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's a unique therapy. It's not massage. But if you were watching it, it would look like a slow, discontinuous, precise massage. Mm. Uh, it's deeper, but not harder. It's slower. And we have a couple unique goals. One of the first ones that Dr. Rolf started with was that our bodies look, perform, and feel better when they're in alignment, when they work better with gravity, which mm -hmm. we, we sort of know, but we don't think about. And we certainly don't think that we can change that. So it's not moving the bones. It's moving the soft tissue that pulls the bones out. So that's the first thing. Second okay. thing is, like I was saying earlier, fascia is the organ of stress. So right. really, we're not dealing with acute stress. We're dealing with chronic stress. Mm -hmm. structural, soft tissue, physical, emotional stress that's held in the body. And thirdly, and this is maybe the biggest thing I got, um, was that a person starts to learn how to relax. And we're not trained in this culture how to relax. That's so true. If anything, we're trained to hold it all in and, exactly. and, and retain it there in the body. So, so really what what you're doing is kind of working in a systematic holistic approach. Like there's, there's nothing that's disconnected from anything at all. And it's all designed to help release the emotions and get more in touch with it, but through a more physical process, right? Exactly. And one of the reasons it's so substantial and sustainable is that the nervous system learns how to relax on a fundamental level. And also mm -hmm. the body and its structure, it just starts functioning better. Um, so that this, a lot of what was causing the strain goes away. And part of what we work with is changing habits. And, the, and one habit that no one, I've worked on Olympic marathon runners, no one breathes to their full capacity. Yeah. And one of the businesses that we had in Scottsdale when I had a clinic there was a mindfulness stress reduction company, which essentially was teaching people how to breathe. Because if you're breathing in a relaxed way, you're not stressed. So the first thing we do under stress is we alter our breath. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's the, the more shortness of breath. And, we right. hold it, we shorten it, and, and then it becomes habitual. Interesting. So is, is the notion of, of not expressing emotions and stress, does, does one lead to the other? How, how, how tied are they? Uh, they're intricately tied. Uh, one does lead and sort of lock in with the other. Uh, and one of the things that we work with, and uh, I work with a company called Everyman, you know, we do these trainings where um, we really work with the physiology of the body. And so one of the things I teach is that a lot of what we think is psychology is really physiology. And one of the fortunes, I, fortunate situations I had was I just happened to be studying with and hanging out with a guy that literally wrote the book on PTSD. And his name was Peter Levine. Uh, he was going to be a rolfer. Dr. Rolf said, hey, Peter, I really like you, but you just don't have a body for a rolfer. So they went off and got a couple of PhDs from Berkeley. And he credits his dog as his impetus for learning how natural physiology around stress and trauma works. And essentially, what happens with stress or trauma and what turns it into PTSD 
is that we don't get to fully experience the stress, the trauma, the emotion in the moment. So we go to this, you know, we think of fight and flight, but there's a third F, which is freeze. We freeze and we're hardwired as mammals to do that to survive. And so when we do that, even subtly over time, we, in a psychological way, disassociate and we disconnect with our emotions, our body and other people. And so a lot of the work that we do is getting men reconnected to their emotions, their body and to others. And they all, they all work together. Cool. So it is are all your workshops and courses are very hands-on and, and physical experiences? Uh, sort of. They're not physical in the sense of manipulation, but they can be physical in a sense. You know, we do some things that are, are more physical rather than sitting. And then I created a process called the healing journey, which, which can be very physical. Because, you know, guys, we are physical. One of the things that's unique about men and emotions is that more than women, often when we have an emotion or when we really want to express it, we got to move. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that we work with with men, and they start doing that, and literally that energy or emotion starts moving through their body, and they don't feel so stuck. It's interesting that you should mention that you should bring that correlation between emotions and movement because. One one of the things I've done in my own workshops is talk about you know if you break down emotion into its component parts, emotion. Mm-hmm. I like to call people you know tell people think of emotion as e everything in motion, and if you can think of that as that the energy is always flowing, always going, then you know you're able to release it more <clears throat> more often. Exactly. So I like that correlation that you brought up, and you know there there. I, if I'm not mistaken, there's also like an evolutionary basis for that as well. Or, or, you know, I, I remember reading in a couple of different books that our brains evolved to work best when we are when we are in motion because you know, oftentimes you know, we made fast, quick decisions when we were running away, when we were actually trying to catch food or trying to avoid becoming a, a, an animal's meal. Yeah, we we're meant to move. Um, there's a lot of ways to explain it. Like horses can lock their joints and stand and sleep. Mm-hmm. We're not meant to be static. We're, our bodies aren't meant to just stand. Of course, they can, but we're meant to move. And, and one of the things I work with my clients is that I tell them, look, our genome is 99.9% the same genome that we had when we were in the tribe. So really, we still have that body of a caveman. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we have to do everything a caveman did, but when we start going further and further away with that, and that might be sitting at a desk looking at a screen for eight hours a day, our body's going to have an impact on that. For and, sure. And, and we need to move, and particularly for men, movement is often a form of expression. Yeah, that that yeah, I I definitely have experienced that personally myself. You know, when I'm moving, I definitely seem to be much more in tune rather than sitting and being sedentary. Yeah, and you're doing it now. You're moving, your head's moving, you're using your hand. Yep. <laughs> and, and you look at studies that rate people in terms of charisma. Uh, the people that have more charisma are the ones that have more coordinated body movement. You know, they look, mm-hmm. you know, they're connected with their body and how they move. When another study was done showing that um, pickpockets and criminals read people's bodies and they can pick who to who to rob or attack by how they move now that is really interesting but not surprising really yeah and I so think, hab- go ahead oh no i was gonna say because they're so habitual in the way that we move it makes sense and and to get back to what you said instinctually we're all sort of predators as much as we're prey and mm-hmm. we can read that we, we consciously don't know what we're reading usually and that's Mm -hmm. what i teach people so they become more conscious of it but unconsciously or instinctually we know what a movement means yeah so it's all the things that we're we're not consciously taught now but are in the genome and are with our ancestors in the genome and the body and years ago i used to do body reading for attorneys and i remember once we had a big case um down in texas an oil company and they brought us in uh, to help with jury, jury selection, uh, you know, to read the bodies and all that. But the, I said, look, here's the real problem. You got, you look at everyone. They're all dressed in flannels and jeans, and you're in three-piece suits. 
lose the suits. <laughs> but it, it's it's like we don't. And this, particularly as men, you know, the more educated we get, we don't trust our intuition and common sense. And and that's a lot of what women are telling us in terms of how they want us to communicate. They want us to just be more real and more connected to our experience. So is that one of the th reasons that men struggle more emotionally? It's it's this not trusting of our own emotions? Yeah, I think it is. Um, we find that in a lot of work is, and, and it was certainly a lot of my beginning was that what I don't even know I'm feeling in the beginning. So often we get a guy and we ask him like in our free groups, what are you feeling, Sam? And he gets this dead look on his face. Oh, I'm not feeling anything. But inevitably, if you look at his body, it's doing something. He might be clenching his fist. He might be tapping his foot. We let him do that for a moment. And then we bring his attention to where he's moving his body. And then maybe to another area. And then inevitably, after a minute or two of doing that, and then we ask him, what do you feel? And then once he's felt his body, he can start feeling his emotions. Right. So do you notice that a, a different movement, a specific tightness in the body relates to specific emotions? Or is everybody yeah. different? Both. Everyone's different yeah. and there's certain patterns. I mean, you just did one that I don't think you did for the reason that we might notice it is often if under stress, we'll lift our shoulders up. That's an anxiety response. Mm -hmm. So what happens, though, is when you have a particular emotional archetype, we'll say anxiety, it could be anything, you'll, start, you'll develop a body posture or structure around that emotion. So you might be walking around hunched up and, you know, and just in that state of anxiety where your body is accentuating that state constantly. Hmm. So it becomes self-perpetuating. Yeah, that's interesting because usually when we're doing when we're doing our shows, I always try to be very conscious of how I'm sitting. Because oftentimes, if I'm really engaged in the conversation, I usually do like kind of like hunch forward and and I start to like actually kind of tense up a little bit. At least my body does. So I try to be conscious of that and you know sit up a little bit more straighter so I can actually. And, the, and you reminded me of that when you talked about breathing and how we oftentimes do not breathe to our full capacity. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not sitting in the right position, so I can, I can breathe properly. <laughs> Beautiful, because so. that's what I tell people. I mean, the, mm -hmm. you sit or stand in a position that allows your breath to be the easiest and the fullest. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed, I love that. But if, but if you're not taught that, they might, you might sit like this all the time and all hunched over and think that's your best thing. Exactly, and most, if not everything we were taught about posture is wrong. <laughs> For example, we're taught shoulders back, and, or and you, you know that might be your drill, drill sergeant or gym teacher teaching that, or it could be a yoga teacher. And it's like, open up your chest, but then I say, well, you're opening up your chest at the cost of tightening your back. <laughs> or you're standing up, holding yourself up with your upper back. So one of the things that happens is, literally and metaphorically, we use structures in our life to do it a job they're not meant to do. And that in itself creates strain. Hmm. Which kind of goes, speaks back to our evolutionary past, which is we're always moving. We were healthiest and best and most emotionally connected when we were always moving. Yeah, moving and connecting to people <clears throat> because right. we, as the research shows and we all sort of know, we need people and, and we were connected to nature too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. And when I when I listened to your talk, I one of the things that I really was really curious about is when you yourself started going through that journey and connecting um, about your experience when you started your own your first men's group. I, I would love to hear about your experience about that, the process that you went through and, and some of the challenges that you ended up facing. And, and Well, I did that because you know, I'd done other work and had worked on and healed a lot of my Asperger's and dyslexia, but I still <laughs> you know, had this sort of wall and it was around men and relationships and, and I resisted it and I go, oh, okay, if I'm resisting it, it probably means I should go in that direction. <laughs> I called up a friend of mine in D.C., got some suggestions, ended up uh, 
starting a group in my office, and that was a little over 20 years ago, and that was when I was down in Phoenix. And from there, you know, I did several groups, and then 13 years ago, I redesigned the model for men's groups, because I really wanted something that was even better, and I integrated all the things that I'd learned, and it were working for me and my clients, and I asked 11 guys, and they all said yes, and that just took off, and, but I remember that first night of the first men's group, in my office and sitting there and I couldn't leave because it was in my office. So I know I'm stuck here. I go, you know, I don't know if I want to be here. And I was nervous and, and literally I really did not feel like I was a man. I, I would have had a hard time saying I'm a man, but what was really interesting was as we went around that circle, there was probably like 10 guys in it. Every guy in his own way was saying or feeling what I was wanting to say, or was feeling. And by my turn, I started feeling really pretty comfortable because I did not feel like the outlier. I felt like, oh, you know, I'm as messed up as any other guy. And that's one of the biggest things that men see is that, you know, we're in these emotional silos as men. And mm -hmm. it's when these guys come to these groups, they realize that they're no mess, more messed up than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And that there is a particular way that men connect and are emotional that is really natural. So I, there was a guy that um, was in, or is in one of our groups, and he was telling me just a couple months ago when he came, well, probably nine months ago, and he was an ex-attorney and he sat there and we usually let the new guy go first. And he was really nervous, but by the time his turn came, he realized that no one was gonna judge him. And yeah, other guys that by that point had cried and you know expressed about every emotion there was. So mm -hmm. he felt, free to just be himself right. and there aren't many places where men have that experience so is that is that the core of why you're such a fan of men's groups that that freedom that realizing you know i'm as i'm as messed up as the average guy or everybody else yeah that's a start uh, it's a start i think the the biggest thing is that there's a special magic that happens when guys get together and they're willing to be authentic whatever that means for each guy Mm -hmm. And we're tribe animals, but men in particular are, are, are tribe beings. And we have several vets in our groups. And these vets really miss the military primarily for the brotherhood because yeah. they know what that is. And, you know, they've lived and died for that brotherhood. And so what happens with these guys in the group is once they start to experience that brotherhood, they start to learn, maybe first vicariously, and then they learn by trying, trial and error. They learn at least by suggestion. And the core tenet in our in our all in all our groups is to take men deeper, hmm. to take them into their own experience. And our tenet is that you know within you is everything you need. It's just that you've gotten disconnected from some of your resources, and by taking you deeper, we're guiding you gently into experiencing these parts have been disconnected. And when that happens, you make a connection to an emotion. Maybe you never made the connection to her or part of your body or, or sometimes a thought. And the guy leaves feeling more whole. And over mm -hmm. a course of months, this man is transformed himself, but usually all his relationships. So this, the notion of brotherhood, do you find that that could be made just on that initial check-in in a very first meeting, that first going around a circle, the brotherhood can be felt right then and there? It can be. Uh, and what happens is, as guys are vulnerable, men start to feel bro brotherhood. Yeah. You yeah. could say, you know, it's in a more primitive way, as we expose ourselves, and we don't feel as a threat to other men. Mm. I think it's more in that, you know. Men start to trust other men when they're vulnerable. And one of the things I'll often say in our trainings is, in this setting, we're changing the rules. Here, you get honored for the courage it takes to be vulnerable. Yep, that, that, that's a core thing that's behind real men feel and imagining what if that was the, the version of masculinity and being tough and all that was recognizing the bravery it takes for someone to be authentic, to be vulnerable, to, to risk showing all of their emotions. So I, I, I love that sentiment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and risk losing control. I mean, I, that yeah. was always a big one for me. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's because you know, that is a big thing for men around the world. And it doesn't matter what culture you're in. There's this need to be in control, especially of your emotions. Because, you know, kind of going back to what you're, you know, the core of what you're talking about, how over the past 200 years or so, the only example that we've had of emotional intelligence is that deeply feminine example. Okay. Yeah, and exactly. And... And I think underneath a lot of the Me Too stuff and, and Harvey Weinstein, we're, we're seeing the consequence of the symptoms of what mm -hmm. you're talking about. Yeah. yeah and, you know, there's a lot of talk, which I'm really glad there is, and, mm. and a lot of diagnosis, which, which is all right. But we are talking about, you know, all of us here, really going to the cause of it. Yeah. Changing the cause. And when men connect to themselves and to others in this way, we have made a fundamental change. And we have men in our groups that literally said on the record in our film and other places that if it wasn't for the group, they would have committed suicide. Mm. Yeah, I don't, don't doubt that. So I feel like we're kind of kicking it, touching from edges. So uh, let, let's just call it. So what, what do you mean? What is masculine emotional intelligence? It's your ability to be emotionally connected to your own experience you know, so that you're not only aware of it, but you're accepting it. And then from there, being vulnerable. And then from there, reaching out and connecting. I call it the rock formula. So relax, open, and connect. And so when we relax into our own experience, then we open up to be vulnerable and we reach out to connect, we are emotionally intelligent as men. And yeah, and on a whole, men and women are more similar than not. But again, there are certain things, be it cultural, be it genetic, that mm -hmm. makes us different. And when men learn that from other men, they show up better in all relationships. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah. And because and, that's a theme that, you know, the kind of the, may not be a joke that, you know, the secret behind this whole show is that, you know, men and women are pretty much the same, but you know, most guys don't know that resistance to that. But I like how you said it best that, no, they've been trained differently. So at, at the core, again, we're all emotional beings, have the same emotions, but we've been taught and told there are proper ways and improper ways that we uh, allow them, express them, admit them, show them all of that. Yeah. And it's, you know, through guys seeing other men, do it first and then having an opportunity to do it with other men mm -hmm. they get to practice so our groups are like weekly weekly dojos or, or training sessions and we get to work this stuff out and so when the man goes home it's he's immediately just connecting to his family in new ways yeah i i, I really love that so so i'm curious if, if your definition of masculine emotional intelligence has evolved over time or has it pretty much remained the same since, since you can't uh, both i mean it's pretty much remained the same mm -hmm. what's evolved are some of the you know the the edges the aspects of it and we just gotten more and more efficient at um, teaching it but we don't teach it didactically we teach it experientially mm -hmm. and just gotten more and more proficient at doing that you know be it in one of our weekend trainings where you know we take a group of guys up to 50 guys and you know they have life-changing experiences uh in part because it's a group of guys being authentic and vulnerable but also because of you know the choreography we put together and sure. give them different experiences that they normally wouldn't have had on their own mm -hmm. right and so done. Are these adventures, are, are these journeys that you do, are these all in, in Idaho where you are, or are you traveling world offering different things? How is, how is this coming to being? Um, well, I up-leveled and joined um, Everyman, or everyman.co, and it's the second he's missing. And we've taken what I've been working on and just enhanced it, and now literally uh, we're going all over the world with it. And basically, it's a platform for guys to start their own men's groups. The core of that business is to really have guys start their own groups their own independent groups and we wanted 20 guys or 20 groups just to prove that we've done it we got over 60 now all over the world 
And it's just word of mouth pretty much. Um, and so we're working on really launching that platform and other things. But part of what we've done, we've done some trainings, called, we call them open source trainings. We're doing another one in a couple of weeks on the East Coast. And we get like 50 guys and from all different walks of life, all different ages from all over the world. And they're ready for something different. And we put them through this training and it's not confrontational. It's quite the opposite, but we do things outside. We do things in a big group. We do things in a small group. And these men travel a long distance internally in the course of 48 hours. Cool. So I'm I'm familiar with the Mankind Projects Warrior mm -hmm. Retro Training Weekend. So, but I've I've not heard of another network of of groups um, like 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 theirs until until now. So that that's really um, yeah. This is something that's been in the making for a while. Uh, first with me, and now with every man for a year. And it's still we still haven't officially launched yet. In the sense of you know, we don't really we have a site up, but it's it's a real beta site. And even without all that, guys are finding us because I think the Mankind Project does some great work. Their focus is on the New Warrior Adventure, New Warrior Training Adventure. Mm -hmm. We can, um, our focus, even though we do trainings, is really on the groups. Okay. Yeah. And, and we're, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm working with Dan, the guy that started this company, uh, and we're creating a, a whole training, a year long training for men and groups. And we have other things in the works, mentoring, because we know the power of these groups. And we, we want these men not only in groups, but we want their groups to succeed. And, you know, after doing this all these years and talking to and meeting guys from literally all over the world that have groups, I've learned how a lot of these groups start to fall apart. And how's that? Well, I think one thing that happens is, is guys, we like to learn techniques. Because it's like, just give me the bottom line, teach me the technique, and you know, to go out and do it. And that's great, but after a while, you could be proficient at a technique, but that technique has its limitations. So we teach skills and principles, which are a little harder to learn, but then each guy in each group get to apply those skills and principles in their own way. And so you, you're going towards mastery, which is never fully attained. So that's challenging for men, and men like challenges. Sure, yeah. It sounds to me also that, that you're incorporating something which is a key component because uh, of, of any learning, which creates a lifelong process and journey, which is including context. Because, yeah, yeah, I was going to mention that if there's one thing I've certainly experienced myself is that if I just jump to just teach me, just just give me the you know bottom line it and teach me what you know the skills I need to know, but without any context or background, it only takes me so far. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm a guy and it's like, you know, I just give me the short answer and I'll go do it. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, years ago, I was trained with people that had this other approach, and I struggled with it for a, a lot of different reasons. But once I started to embody it, once it started to become somewhat of a conscious, uh, con unconscious competence, where mm -hmm. I, you know, it was something I didn't have to really think about, I really saw the power of it, and it was so much more fun. Hmm. Mm, I can definitely connect with that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you start getting into the zone. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I, I would probably add on to that and probably say that if you're able to go through the whole, understand the full context and go through the whole process, it, if, if anything, it makes it the learning and the journey faster and easier and more fun. Like you said, no more fun than trying to just jump straight to the bottom line because then it, it just drags it out. Right, and I think in general, particularly with what we're doing, it's predicated on learning it with other guys, which helps build the brotherhood of the bond, and you learn in doing that. And and because it's not a technique, it's something that's more organic, and then it's, it's easily generalized into the rest of your life. Mm. So what, what happens is a guy goes home, and he's learning that he's feeling things. He's learning how to feel, how to express, and he's struggling with it, but he's learning, 
and he just naturally starts practicing it with his partner where yeah. you go home with a technique and you try a technique with your partner you know how well that's going to work <laughs> yeah oh yeah it doesn't go over too well right. yeah, we and, when it, and when you've been trained in a technique and a how-to structure of something you know, you, you go back home and you, you're doing your how-to-ness you've now you've lost that group So the organicness, right. the, uh, the notion of its skills and needing more practice to keep building that, the mastery that you've spoken of. That's the, is that another part of the purpose of? of yeah, yeah and exactly. And, and so guys, you know, have homework that they create and they do it mm -hmm. during the week. They come back and, and that's like you know, maybe their next lesson, the next thing they're working on. And the group helps. And again, we don't, we're not giving them advice. We're supporting him, that man, and, and finding his own resources and, and maybe expressing something that he can't express, but once he expresses it, oh, he just relaxes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we know about neuroplasticity you know, and how our, our neurons, particularly our brain, is adaptable. And, and how we, when we create new neural pathways and we reinforce them, like a muscle, they get stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. And after a while, we literally create new defaults in emotional behaviors where guys will say they can't go back if they wanted to they they just couldn't go back right <laughs> i love the, the old saying of you know i'm stuck in a rut and with enough effort your rut can be a positive <laughs> new pathway exactly. yeah and and you're stuck there with other guys yeah. which really you know reinforces it makes it more fun and you know there's some accountability too sure sure so yeah in, in your groups um is it an organic structure does some does someone go through your training go back home and become the leader of a group or is it just a, a circle of equals with no one kind of in, in charge well, or good question um a, again a little of both what we found is it's usually one or two guys that take the initiative and so for a, like a 12-week program they are the leader because they're the initiator and and we support that man so he does a good job, so the group does a good job. I mean, we support the group, but sure. we work towards training him so he can train the group. So it is a leaderless group, or another way to say that, everyone in the group is a leader and taking responsibility for the group. And that pretty much mm -hmm. happens. But I think at least initially, we need a guy or two to corral the men, start the group, you know, have some focus until these skills get developed. Yeah, I like that. The notion of an initiator as opposed to someone in charge of the whole thing and, and forever going forward. Right. And it's yeah. not an authoritarian kind of model. It's an open source collaborative kind of model. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you know, we tend to get guys that are more entrepreneurial that initiate. They're used to starting things. <laughs> but they get all different kinds of guys in the group. And, and often what will happen is these groups grow so well that, like with our group, it's they do this sort of cell division. They they start, you know, creating other groups because a guy could come in with no experience and no desire. And after a couple of years, he has the skills and desires and says, all right, I'll take it on. I'll go off and start another group. Hmm. So that's how you've grown so organically and without, without, I mean, I think you said earlier, you haven't even launched yet. You're training groups of 50 men at a time and you have 60 groups around the world. Right. And one, one of the, probably the biggest area is New York City. That's where we started because we got four, there's three other partners. You know, I'm in Idaho, Dan's in Bozeman, Montana, and the other two fellows are in New York, and, and Dan was there originally, and they had some good networks, and which just exploded there. And these guys in New York, and a few years ago, I did a training for them. I mean, they're hungry for this. You know, they yeah. want that connection. For sure. Well, it's interesting, as you were talking about, uh, about the site and so forth, I was actually checking it out really quick. And the very first place that popped up for me was right here in my hometown in Salt Lake. And the second one that popped up, funny enough, Andy, is right there in Boston, close to where you are. Cool, let's check. So, again, so, let's, let's about them. so, yeah. so what's, that, what's the URL? What's, what is it? So, it's so. everyman.co, and it's E-V-R-Y-M-A-N. So the second E is missing. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, and, and it's that's now my main focus, and it's a great platform for men, and particularly groups and trainings. And we're 
you know, we're really starting a movement. That is so awesome. So in the and now in the past, you've had something called the Men Corps. Was that kind we of still a... have that? That's my nonprofit, okay. and we're working with uh, initiating a program for that locally here. Um, and and that you know that is I start started that to support men and specifically men's groups. And one of our our passions are every man, and one of my passions is to support vets. And one of our key men, Aaron, who I did a blog post on, uh, or actually he did on, on my every, no, excuse me, my men corp site, <laughs> just got out of uh, the army and he's a uh, special forces. Uh, and he, you know, he's one of the guys that says that um, the men's group saved his life. Yeah. So yeah, we really want to give that to other vets. I like that. Speaking, you know, speaking of resources and giving and so forth. Uh, now, I understand that you actually have a, a book out there that can be a really good resource. Is that right? Yeah, it's a uh, grow up a, a man's guide to masculine emotional intelligence. Okay, and it's uh, the nine stages that we go through when we mature as a man. And then the premise is is that. It's a somewhat sequential sequence of stages, but they can you know, overlap, of course. And what happens because of trauma, stress, or because we didn't have support in, the, in a particular stage or stages in our development, it's like we create a hole. And as adults, we keep sort of tripping over to that hole or into that hole. <laughs> and so the premise of the book is, okay, what holes are you tripping over? And here are mm -hmm. some ways to fill that hole. Okay. And, and, and it gives man, a man a bit of a map to, you know, how to develop this masculine emotional intelligence that they never really had any uh, mentoring for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really like that. So if, if there is, if, is there one action um, you would most recommend to a man who, is aware that he's, you know, feeling stuck, um, isolated, and, you know, just in general misery with the state of his life? Um, it's probably the thing that would be the hardest, but I think the most powerful is reach out. Um, and it could be in any way, to a friend, but in a more vulnerable way. So it's not that, you know, we don't have any friends as guys, but what I know from myself and I hear from so many men that generally when we left school or the military, we left that deeper connection, the real brotherhood with our friends. So I would say reach out in that more authentic, vulnerable way to another person or particularly another man. And a man that has a good chance of being able to to witness that experience, to be there and be able to connect to that. Right. Uh, um, probably a more powerful way, maybe a scarier way, is start or join a men's group. Because that's the purpose of these groups. And these groups will welcome any man that wants to do that. I know our groups will. So is, is, is every man the site that people can discover all the different locations and go where the, and they can just drop on in and just and experience? drop on in and uh, if you contact us and you're in a city, we'll say, well, we got Joe and Sam in this city, contact them. Or we go, well, we, we have a couple of guys that are interested in the group. Would you be interested in forming that group? Well, you know, we'll work with you in whatever way we can. And we're just creating more and more content to support that. And a mm -hmm. mentoring program to, to help mentor the guys that are starting those groups. Gotcha, gotcha. So, for instance, if there's a location where there's a group which has been announced but isn't necessarily been formed yet, would the process be to reach out to you guys, apply, and then you reach out to provide the resources and so forth and the training? Yeah, that's essentially it. Um, okay. yeah, you, you let us know and you agree to follow our protocols, which are <laughs> really simple and obvious, I mean, common sense protocols. Sure, yeah. And with that, we'll go, okay. This is what we're going to do for you. And we keep up-leveling that. 
And that's what Dan and I are particularly mm -hmm. working on. And Aaron, this ex-Special Forces fellow, is the go-to guy for the operations. And he's the one that really interfaces a lot with these men. And, he, you know, we want more resources, you know, these are the money, so that we had more that we could give these guys. Mm-hmm, right. Um, but even with the limited resources we have, uh, these guys are getting a lot. And what's great is a lot of these guys are stepping up and saying, well, I'll help coordinate. I'll help do this in this area. I'll help or assist in this training. Sure, yeah. Because one of the things that doesn't get spoken to, but I've always seen, is that as men, we want to contribute. Yeah. No, we want to make a difference. Yeah, there's that sense of purpose that, that we yeah. have. Yeah, exactly. that you're, who you are and how you're showing up makes a difference in mm -hmm. another person's life. And some of the most powerful meetings for a man is when a man is contributing to another man's process or life by just being who he is. Yeah. What, what do you have an ideal goal or you know a, a five-year dream of what every man will look like down the road? Yeah, we want a million guys in a group within ten years. Nice. I guess you've thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, I think it's doable. It's really doable. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that happening for sure. Cool. And, Especially and, me that's out there. And, and we have another one. We want the president of the country to be in one of our groups. Whichever president is in the office at the time, or does he yeah, have one? He is or has been in one of our groups. So a graduate goes on to become the president. Yeah, we got one guy that's um, that uh, he's going to become a congressman. Great. Yeah. Hey, that's that's a good start. And I had a fellow that years ago it was in one of my groups that ran for Congress. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, but really we we want to serve all different kinds of men. Mm -hmm. and honestly, you know, one of our things is that we 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 want to go beyond white guys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, so and we're getting there, but that's one of our pushes, and we have a fellow that volunteered to take that on. So, um, yeah. So, most of your word of mouth level has been just a bunch of white guys. For the most part. For okay. the most mm -hmm. part. I mean, yeah. So, it takes uh, a little bit of more concerted effort to reach beyond. Yeah. That particularly in, I love where I live. Probably the biggest downside of where I live, it's just too white. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like, you know, these big cities where you get the diversity as you all have, which. Right. I love, and you know that's what we want. And our groups in those cities are diverse. Okay. Um, but we want more of that. Cool. Cool. And is there um, any sort of, of structure as to how long a man is in a group? Do you do you graduate onto something else, or are some guys in there for? You know, what, what, what's the what's the longest someone keeps coming to the same group? Uh, you know, Jed Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. So we were just talking um, like a week ago. And he started his group 40 years ago. Wow. And I have a, a friend of mine that started his group uh, it's close on probably 30 years ago. Uh, I've been doing them for um, over 20 and this current group for 13. So yeah, it's something that it doesn't have to be because we've had close to 300 guys through our groups in this area. So mm -hmm. some guys, certainly literally move on. Some just move out of the group. Uh, but many just stay because they enjoy it. They keep getting something. Great. Sure. So there's no requirement of your time is done, you must leave the circle or anything like yeah. that. And, and no requirement that you have to stay either. Right. It's all right. voluntary. Mm -hmm. Well, and as you mentioned, you know, that sense of brotherhood and that sense of continued a shared journey along the way. This is, this is your tribe. Right. And, yeah. and we, as men, at least in this culture, don't have that. Mm -hmm. you know, in, in other cultures, maybe more primitive ones, we, we have it. Uh, we have it when we were younger. Sure. But as soon as we grew up, we got, very, particularly in this culture, very independent. And for most guys, if they have any kind of emotional support, it's their partner. Right. And my contention is no matter how good that relationship is, it can become strained if that's your sole support. So mm -hmm. women literally come up to me in my town here, women I don't know, 
thanking me for the group because of how the groups impacted their boyfriend or husband. And, um, and the group, it, we, it's not therapy, but it's therapeutic. Um, and it gives these guys something that no other relationship could give them. And mm. it's a joke, you know, these women say to the men, uh, Don, I, you're, you're going to leave pretty soon. Your group, you know, starts in 10 <laughs> yeah. minutes. You know, it's, Don't so, want you missing that. Yeah. Right, exactly. These women are huge supporters. And right. in terms of social media, women pick up on what we're doing before men do. And, and they're often the ones referring people to us. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> it doesn't matter where the men's group is. It happens a lot. It's the women who usually initiate it. And then ultimately what I found is that, you know, to what you were talking about earlier is how it helps to enhance that relationship because suddenly the guy feels like, their partner, you know, their significant other is this person is so important to them in their lives, suddenly supportive of something that they want to do. Yeah. Even appreciated it. Yeah. And and a guy, you know, we're guys and often we start out with hesitation, maybe resistance. Mm -hmm. But I will say in our groups in the last few years, easily eight times out of ten, when a guy comes to his first meeting, he's sold. Mm. the vast majority are in for, we ask for a year, they're in for at least a year and usually beyond that. Mm. Um, because it's like, wow, this is not what I expected. This is more than I hoped for. What, what do you find guys uh, kind of with no firsthand experience or friends telling them what to expect? What do they expect? I think you get the whole continuum from, this is going to be a macho hangout to... Uh, you know, sensitive guys is hugging and running through the woods naked or whatever. And it's neither. Yeah. Uh, it's just guys sitting often in the living room in a circle, following a simple protocol, like you said, checking in and just saying what you're feeling and what you want, <clears throat> being authentic. But what makes it special is this is implicit and explicit agreement that that's what we do. And so one of the things that someone taught me years ago is if we don't have a positive ritual in our life, we will create a negative one. So mm -hmm. this group every week becomes this positive ritual. So if something's happening to that guy, he knows, at, you know, in, in our town on Wednesday night, he has a way to get the support and do the work he needs to do to get through it. And, and you're right. I mean, that really makes a difference in this relationship. Yeah. And it's not a moment of vulnerability because you got drunk with your buddy. It's no. going there with intention to be open and to share. Right. Yeah. And, and we'll support you if you're not doing it in an authentic way. You know, and, and in the beginning, we don't know how to do that. We're real patient. Um, all we ask is that you just show up and you give it your best shot. Okay. That said, I created a, a program that we use to teach guys. It's a 13-week program that became part of every man that teach new guys these skills. So they, they come into an established group, and they can be somewhat overwhelmed because they see these guys that just are so real, so emotional, so authentic, so expressive, and they go, oh, God. My head's literally, they'll say, my head's spinning. So we create this program. So we chunk it down and teach them the core skills. So by the end of you know three months, they're doing it themselves. And they would have never thought they could. Very cool. Now, don't give a man to fish. Teach him how to fish. Exactly. Yeah. And, and teach him with other men. Yeah. yeah. Fish, fish yeah. with all your buddies. That's the... Fish with your buddies. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I, I love that. <clears throat> So, and you also did a, a film about men's groups and about your work? Yeah, uh, several years ago, a filmmaker came out to film us, and she contacted me uh, in New York and said, you know, I, I saw your blog, or I think it was a podcast, actually. Do you know anyone in New York? Because I want to do this film. I said, yeah, well, you know, here, here's my list. And she con contacted everyone that she could find, I could find in New York. Not one group wanted to be filmed. And I said, mm. well, let me ask my group. And they all said yes. So she Every member out. was willing. Yeah. Wow. For five weeks, she filmed us. And our spouses or 
partners in the community. And it was a documentary about men's group, our group, our work, and what we do. Uh, and every guy said yes. Wow. So what, what year did that come out? When? Well, you're taxing my memory here. It was probably <laughs> three, four years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. So pretty, still feels pretty recent. Fairly recent, yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Where was it featured? Was it featured at uh, any film festivals or things like uh, that? No, it wasn't. It, well, it was featured once at a, a conference that the filmmaker and I went to a couple of years ago at the University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. We spoke and presented um, at a, a combined conference of um, the psychology division of the APA, that's mm. masculinity, and the academic version of academia that works with masculinity. And they, did this dual conference and we presented at that, uh, you know, on the film and, and really the work that we do in our groups, because what we're doing in our groups, no one else is doing. Right. Cool. Mm -hmm. So before we, before we go on, I want to make sure that, uh, that what's the best way for someone to, to learn more about, about working with you and, and to get the access into this world of, of men's groups? Yeah, I have my own site, owenmarcus.com. That's an easy one. And But for the men's group, every man. I mean, I'm putting all my effort into every man. Uh, it's an amazing company platform. And we have a whole team of men that are really committed to serving other men and getting them not just in groups, but having the groups really succeed. Right. Great. So wherever you're listening to this, um, if you're looking for these links to, to the film, to Owen's books, to, to every man, visit realmenfeel.org and I'll be sure to have everything that got mentioned, all the possible ways to, to track Owen down and to get involved and to see what he's created so far and to be part of future creations, be one of the million men um, mm -hmm. in some of these groups, then uh, yeah, just visit realmenfeel.org and the blog will have all the links to everything that's been discussed. Cool. And so we know... Uh, and maybe, yeah, maybe someone listening now is going to be a future president of these United States after going maybe. through. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And, or why not you, Owen? Have you, have you I know. Person? It won't be me. That I can tell you. <laughs> that I know. <laughs> I know. It's like all of the people who, we, who everybody thinks would be best for the job are the ones who most definitely don't want it. <laughs> right. They're the smart ones. Exactly. The smart and the sane ones. <laughs> but you know what? If we produce the right guy, you know, who knows what can happen once, once we get, once we get him into the White House. We've talked a lot about the, the successes and all the organic creation and things that you've built that have all kind of come to fruition and completion in, in every man. And I always like to ask, uh, you know, is there something, are there things that you tried that just didn't work? And like a group session that, oh, so bad. All right, we're not doing that skill. We're not going to treat that technique. We got to, you know, anything like that have happened? Um, yeah, I've had technical glitches with a launch a year ago. Um, um, my group here in town has been my beta tester or groups. And so um, we've tested some things that yeah, sort of worked. Um, probably the biggest thing is that, you know, I'm an instigator, maybe an innovator, but at least an instigator. And I'm always pushing the envelope. And I have to remember that you know, other people go at a different pace. Mm. And I'm slowly learning that. Um, so probably my biggest learning is to, you know, to have patience and, and cause I don't want to lead in, in the autocratic way. I want it to be more organic and, you know, guys, well, you know, want to do what I want to do. And right. often that's where we end up. I, I'm learning patience. Yeah. And I get uh, a lot of people that I come across that people that want to be of service and there's so much passion that, yeah, you try to force even, even faster than you might've learned it. Now that you know it, you're like, Oh, I got to ho fire hose these people with all the things I know about now and help them so much. And yeah, <laughs> yeah we, uh, one of my main guys, Brad and I were talking about that because a lot, a lot of the guys started the group a while ago now laugh at that. Once they sort of got it for a year or so, they were this evangelist that were trying to convert everyone, men and women. And <laughs> you know, now everyone laughs at it, but yeah, it was a little strong. 
<laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where you find a brand new passion. Oh boy, you want to share it. That is such a human thing to do. Well, and, and these guys immediately start seeing how it's made a difference in their lives. Yeah. And, you know, they, in, in a genuine way, they want that for others. Yeah. But um, you can't force someone. Exactly. It has to happen when they're ready. Right. That and unfortunately, as we all know, that for men, it's a simple equation. It's what's greater, the fear or the pain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much that's what it boils down to. Yeah. And um, once the pain becomes more than the fear, for a lot of guys, they start to do something. Fortunately, what we're seeing with the millennials, they seem to be a little smarter or more open, and they're coming to us in less pain, which is great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Definitely see that. I work within a company of millennials. Mm. And I see that a lot. Yeah, there's still some pain there, but certainly not from, you know, the level of pain that you see in my generation or older. Yeah. So, yeah. so that has been, I think, one of the reasons that every man's really taken off. Because mm. that's sort of our core audience. And these guys are really hungry for, for that kind of approach. And yeah. they want to co-create it with us, which is what we want. Nice. So you're really getting the popularity, the insurgence of people is, is the younger generation. Yeah, it really is. Uh, from the late 20s to probably mid-30s, that's our, our peak range. And these guys are, you know, they're bright guys. They're open. And, you know, they may be, be, they may be trained pretty well by women in terms of how to be open, which is great. A lot mm -hmm. of us weren't. But they're hungry for that more masculine component that's not macho. Right. So, so can, can you put a word to it? What, what is it? What is the masculine side? If it's not macho, what? Human. <laughs> can be better than that. Yeah. And, you know, these guys, myself included, you know, we learn how to just be ourselves. Mm. And when you get a group of guys to do that with, uh, every night after your group, you leave with more energy. And so in the 13 years of doing this, and it's every week that I've been here in town, I've only had one meeting where I didn't leave with more energy. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's a, Yeah, that's your fuel for the next, the next innovation or the next instigation, if so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And, and the fuel for other guys. We've had quite a few men launch businesses from our group. Hmm. In new careers, we did things that they couldn't have done and I'm using their words without the group. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, it all makes sense. You're anyone, you get more in touch with your body, with your feelings. You have more energy, as you said. You know, emotions, right. energy in motion. The nothing, mm -hmm. the body doesn't exactly. want to be stagnant. Our emotions don't want to be stagnant. Train. And then when you have the support of your tribe, uh, it can be experiential. And the other thing I notice is that yeah, often we start something like this because we want to fix something we need a healing you know right. something broken or however you want to phrase it but you asked why do guys stay well six months a year in most guys would turn the corner on the thing that brought them in and they stay because not just of the brotherhood but a big part of our groups is that we support men in creating not just the life they want but the success they want mm. and it's like in some ways a mastermind but the emotions are the core of, of, you know, the group and still, and, and it's not some heady thing, but right. with that support to go out and create, you know, men have started new careers, you know, started new businesses, new, new professions because of that support. Awesome. Well, this has been uh, really fantastic. Um, I've, I've discovered myself the power of groups. So I love finding out that there are more groups of men's groups that I'm not aware of. Um, I'm definitely going to check out everyman.co. And, and again, if you're looking for links, visit realmenfield.org. We'll have everything listed. Uh, so thanks. Yeah, for we, we have groups in Boston. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going yeah. there. I, I'm not going to edit the show. The show is not going to be released. I'm going to go spend my evening on everyman.co. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I really, I, I'm definitely going to check it out and uh, encourage everyone else to as well. Well, and yeah, so check out that site. We're doing uh, one of our programs. We still have a couple spots left for the open source one uh, in, what's it, next weekend. And it's in Massachusetts. 
and the other end of your state though but um what what city uh sheffield is it? it's um it's at a lodge called race rook i'll find out it, it's uh southwestern part of massachusetts so it's a little over two hours outside of the city yeah i mean that that's as long as massachusetts is you can't go much more than two hours and yeah it's <laughs> right <laughs> unlike <laughs> idaho <laughs> or Idaho or Utah, where we are. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Everything, everything here is, is not even a day trip. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, uh, I appreciate your time and, and all of your energy that you're putting into serving so many more men. Uh, I love your big, audacious goals. And, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me on and um, your support that you're giving men. That's hugely important. Indeed. Indeed. Well, it's been a great conversation. I uh, have to add my thanks to, to it as well. So thanks so much, Owen. You're welcome. Beautiful. Thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, check out those links, check out those books, check out those classes and get your butt to a group. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next week, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Show us some love by visiting realmenfeel.org slash swag or digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com.